Welcome to Backlog Dialogues, the podcast that digs you out of your backlog before it buries you. I'm John, and joining me as always are the fairy godmother and nameless star to Mike Hyrie. Is this our first all uh, uh, three female characters trio? I think it is. I think it is. Yes. Man, we are uh, we are sexist then. No, Nomura is sexist. <laughs> <laughs> We're probably going to have plenty of those in Higurashi and Umineko, honestly. Well, no, Higurashi and Umineko, I'm going to completely have to change the format because there are not as many characters. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> Umineko, on the other hand, we got plenty. I mean, there's a lot of characters in Umineko, but I still want to have a completely different style to sort of like distinguish between the seasons. That is for the future, however. Today, we are talking about the past. The past season. We are going to be covering the last console title out as of recording, Melody of Memories. But it's going to be mostly retrospective. Also, I realize I didn't let either of you say your names just now. Damn, I actually tricked Matt not to say it. I, I like I like to skip it, but Matt had it. I was very happy about that. I, I was actually thinking about it. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if Jared's going to say anything. But no, Jared no, never says anything. Oh, no, I was going to say it. I'm happy that Matt didn't notice. No, I know. I, I, like, I noticed it in the middle of as I was saying it. I was just like, Jared, I, I could have just imagined Jared having the smuggest fucking look on his face right now about this. <laughs> it's warm in here, so I'm melting as well. OK, that's fair. But yeah, wipe that smug look off your face. You didn't get me. <laughs> <laughs> but now everyone knows who I am. We're going to kind of make this a retrospective of the series in general, because honestly, Melody of Memories is kind of a retrospective of the series in general. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. As a theater of them style uh, music game, it goes through all the different stories of Kingdom Hearts with a connecting uh, narrative of it being Kyrie and her limit cut coma going through all her memories, mm -hmm. including the things she wasn't there for. Real quick, let's talk about what the style of this game is. Melody of Memories is a music game. If you sure it's Melody of Memories singular, by the way. Yeah, I think it, it is. Is it Melody of Memory? I, mean, I keep saying Memory of Melody, but... Kingdom <laughs> Hearts Mel... It is Melody of Memory. Fuck. <laughs> we, I'm going to need to change that in our notes right now. I feel like every... It, it's by far the most complicated and difficult to say way of those words in a combination. Like memory yeah, of melody comes easier. Melody of memories seems to be this flow a little easier. Nomura is just trying to hurt us. Yes, he is. What a mean man. I said the rhythm because it has a similar characters running through the like through the world sort of thing. But rather than being like a stylized, super deformed characters and side by side, I, it's kind of like the. 3D models running, yeah. running forward on a track. Yeah, uh, that's the basic of it. Um, you have three characters being guitar heroes. Yeah, three characters running along a track, kind of like uh, it looks almost guitar hero-esque. The notes are represented by enemies. You'll see like a bunch of shadows or a bunch of uh, soldiers or like you might see a large body and you have to beat that one multiple times in order to advance it. Um, there might be some enemies that are really far away and you have to use a special move or a spell to beat them. I think there was a lot of customization options, like you could change your party or change your abilities, but I never did that. <laughs> I was the OG crew the entire way through. <laughs> I felt like I, since I had just pushed my way through the uh, series itself, I just didn't really feel like playing the recap, even though I do like rhythm games. Totally valid. Uh, and the core game of following the track is very good. The side modes are not as good and the worst is the boss fights. And 
kind of similar to the boss fights is the style that they go with for the Kingdom Hearts 3 songs. So, like, because they can't do those worlds in the, whatever engine they're doing here, because it's apparently Unity. Poly- I just looked up by accident. Oh, wow. OK. Mm. Like, they can't port all those assets. in, so they just like have this pre-rendered cutscene uh, that you're flying through notes over. And it's not nearly as fun as the basic gameplay. Yeah, Theater Rhythm has a few different modes with the field tracks and the yeah. event tracks and the and the mods, the battle tracks and stuff like that. Honestly, most of the things in Theater Rhythm are still fun, but, mm-hmm. y- you know, it's a little bit different. I think Theater Rhythm is probably a better overall package as far as rhythm games go. Melody of Memory, when it works for like going through the field tracks or even some of the fight tracks. I feel like it works pretty well. There's a few things in it that are a lot of fun. I came out of it with a bigger appreciation of a lot of field themes and world battle themes that I didn't have before. But at the end, I think it's mostly fine to just treat it as a Kingdom Hearts retrospective because the worlds are arranged in a way that will. What's what story there is, is Kairi I said, giving sort of a paragraph of narration about each about each game. Yeah, let's quickly talk about the setup of this, because remember how Kairi was in a chair with the mad scientist friends at the end of Limit Cut? Yeah, this is that story. (laughs) (laughs) Kairi's having a really long lucid dream. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is, is like she's diving into her dreams to find things. Apparently her memories are all rhythm games. Kyrie finally got a game, though, guys. <laughs> I do like the fact that Kingdom Hearts did get a rhythm game because honestly, there's a lot of really good music in Kingdom Hearts that just doesn't get credit for how good it is. Yeah, I agree with that. The like, we didn't talk about a lot of the environment music over the course of the series because a lot of it is Yoko Shimomura taking a uh, iconic melody and reworking it for the uh, for how Kingdom Hearts is supposed to sound. But there are some of them that work a lot that work pretty well. And I like a lot of the end game stuff and the the major boss themes are also always excellent. So this game is also like the first time where I found myself going, I don't need to do that when it came to completionism. Do you want to know why? <laughs> why? One, I didn't want to do all the missions for the Kingdom Hearts three stuff because that I didn't like that mode at all. And two. There are three optional bosses that they use. One Weekend Angel, Other Promise, and Rage Awaken for optional bosses. And fuck those missions sideways. I was not going to spend a week on each one of them. I've already beaten Sandbone Trio on Master Mode and Guitaro Man. I do not need to do anything harder in rhythm games. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, just just to me, that's the... Even though I couldn't get anywhere near the, that stage, it really just tells me how much you can force into that. <laughs> Rhythm games tend to scale really high difficulty, especially Japanese ones. Mm-hmm. The, I'm I'm kind of a rhythm game connoisseur outside, so it's not that much to me. But you know, they do get very very difficult. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you should see some of the hardest things on you know, say your Sound Voltex or Poppin' Music or Beat Mania 2DX. Yeah, yeah, things like that. Just go to any arcade that has Japanese rhythm games, and you'll see like a shit ton of various interesting controllers and weird ways to play. Yeah, they're, they're generally a lot of fun. But they have a high barrier to entry, I would yeah. say. And some of them are not very good on the difficulty curves where there's spots where it's like, okay, you're a beginner and you're trying to get better, but there's not that many beginner songs. And so you have to play these ones over and over and the the next ones up are kind of out of your reach. So some of them are better about that, but it can be hard to learn. 
All right, let's start our discussion of Kingdom Hearts as we go through Melody of Memory. And, like, I just want to make this as, like, let's just talk about, like, our memories of these games, if our assessment of them has changed as we've gone through the season, or the series, rather. I'd also like to say overall that, you know, we had an enjoyable time with these games, and they still have this hostile reputation. We want to emphasize again that they're essentially a giant overgrown shonen story. Yeah, it's like you don't need to take Kingdom Hearts too seriously. It is a series that runs on hope and friendship and Disney. And it doesn't need to be more than that. That being (laughs) said, I'm also going to say, though, just because it doesn't need to be more than that doesn't mean you can't get something out of it. Like, yeah. Like, for me, this time through, I found myself just, like, really caring a lot more about Sora than I did any other time I played these games. Like, Sora is one of my favorite protagonists in any video game ever now. (laughs) He's fantastic. (laughs) It's kind of like how when I first started watching One Piece, I didn't really care for Luffy that much. I thought he was kind of not, not that deep of a character in general, but... Now that I'm really invested in One Piece, I realize Luffy doesn't have to be an extremely deep character. The whole point of Luffy is that he's a good boy no matter what. Yeah. And well, no, Luffy's not a good boy. Luffy is a free boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As that sounds weird to yeah. say, but it, that's it's, that's that's correct. Like if you were to try and tell Luffy that he was a good boy, he would just like go, no, fuck you. Give me meat. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sharing my I don't share my meats. You know what what I mean, though. You know what I mean, though. He doesn't have to be deep because he has a particular value and and he leans into it and he becomes the center of this locus of interesting characters because of it. Mm -hmm. And Sora kind of has a similar thing going on. Yeah. Looking back at the whole thing, when I started this project, I had had not played any ones other than one or two. It's worth remembering. Yeah. And while I have been moderately spoiled a lot of details from it, because I like reading things at random and just looking up stuff to kill time, but it really does just show you how Sora's growth is very subtle. It is literally like just the same personality getting older, maybe having a little bit of coloring like experiences, but still being the same one he was. Sort of on a side note for that, Jared, were you ever spoiled about uh, Zigbar being Lushu? Yes. Oh, no. I'm going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm good at poker facing, and, and, and if I won't completely memory hole it, I'll at least not like use it in my discussions thing. But sure. I'm not going to lie. I get spoiled myself all the time. Yeah, I remember. I don't even remember which mean it was joke that left handed people read books backwards. And for me, that's actually pretty difficult. I almost always peek at the end of things unless <laughs> I've been given a vested interest not to. It's just it's just easy. Fair, fair. So, so, yeah. So for me, I, you know, I guess it just depends on how you like to enjoy things. I try to actively avoid spoilers, and so I'm generally pretty good at doing so. If I don't trust the work, I'll look it up. If it's been a long period of time, I'm not sure I'll go back to it, I'll look it up. If it's something I can plow through, I probably won't. There's still a chance I'll peek ahead really quickly to get I sort of test like the temperature. But since I'm also a very fast, very aggressive reader of things, I can go through stuff pretty yeah. fast. So that mm-hmm. can make it that way. Often in those cases, it means I just go through it in one shot and I don't have to uh, push looking it up as easily. I don't have to push it yeah. back. I don't mind being spoiled that much, but I also like tend to get to an entry as fast as I possibly can. 
Mm-hmm. So I tend to be the one that like doesn't need to dodge spoilers all that often anyway. <laughs> I mean, I guess we're going to talk about this when we talk yeah. about uh, about when they cry. But when they cry is one of those series that I think rests on its spoilers. And so yeah. I would have actually been rather upset if I did get spoiled for it. So I'm glad that I was very conscientious in avoiding it. To be honest, I kind of tried. But at the time, the spoilers were so fragmented and weird. And I had so little context. It made no sense to me anyways. Well, I was I was actually laughing because because there were a few cases, especially for Umineko, where in chapter one, if you had told me what happens in chapter seven, like direct spoilers, I would have been like, what? That can't be right. In chapter seven, most of the characters aren't there. Half the yeah. other ones are acting as as acting as virgins. Almost completely inconsistent with most. We're of starting to verge into spoiler territory, and I'm gonna have to cut all this. Yeah, <laughs> I misread the ending of chapter six so badly, I missed the big surprise there, and then I didn't read chapter seven or eight for about for over a year, if you recall. Like I remember just trying to be like, dude, seriously, how is it this hard? But uh, <laughs> I don't know. Something about the way I first approached Yuminiko completely broke my brain. Like I wasn't so much confused as I was coming from the wrong angle every time. Mm-hmm. Remember anyway. how you tried to nurse made me through that through the through the, through the riddle? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you mocked me at the end of it because you could. That'll be a good story to tell when we get to that point. Exactly what happens? Yeah, none John of will have plenty of stories. To t- John will get right. a, have plenty of stories to tell when we get uh, there. Funny. Talking about I'm, how how I experienced the story. But it is, I think I started ahead of you. I think I started Umineko chapter one before you. Oh, oh you did quickly. You I got to chapter I, four before I got started reading it. Yeah. And then, like, you, I said, somewhere around chapter dis- five to six, I fuzzed out. So. You were, well, I mean, so, chapter five and six, we were reading it week to, uh, when they were being released, which was like mm-hmm. multi-month periods, and so you didn't have that momentum anymore. Whereas I, being who I am, uh, read things right out the gate. We are starting to talk I, a lot more about when they cry than we are talking yeah, about sorry. the arts. Give you a little preview, folks. We're really excited to talk about a lot of things. Just to wrap up, this is how distractible I am and how I often fuzz out on things. Yes, <laughs> and that is why you need someone like me who's willing to keep the discussion on track. Let's talk about the rest okay, of Kingdom Hearts. Okay, Kanamori. Yep. Thank you. I like being called the cool, <laughs> one of the coolest characters in anime. <laughs> so, so we start out with Kyrie's memories of Kingdom Hearts one, and so they, okay, I'm just gonna say flat out, her narratives really aren't worth talking about. She just gives these little recaps. She doesn't so, really give much of her emotion to it. So, mm-hmm. apart from Hollow Bastion. Which we talked about frequently. What was your favorite like world theme in Kingdom Hearts One? World theme? Uh, wow, I'm at you're actually making me think here. <laughs> I think, and I I wouldn't count the world that never was or not the world. No, no, no we're talking the KH1, one world. Dude. Yeah, and, the, yeah. Sorry, I mean the the end of the world. Well, that's the mixture of the that's a mixture of the dive to the hearts. Theme. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of these specific Disney worlds is what I'm asking here. Honestly, probably Halloween Town, even though it's a fragment of the song. Yeah, I think yeah, Halloween I, Town pro- is like one of most the others are that. really forgettable. Well, mm-hmm. it's not that they're forgettable is that they are like not particularly enjoyable loops going through the under the sea uh, track. <laughs> 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 Awakens some dark memories in me. <laughs> Memories that I sealed away. <laughs> Fortunately, it was not the under the sea vocalized one, but it still was the under the memories sea. I, of, memories that I split off from myself into a second personality who then turned into a Resident Evil monster. Yes, exactly. 
I think it's called Data John. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, I when I returned to Kingdom Hearts one, I liked it better than the first time. The funny thing is, I as when I first played them, I resented Kingdom Hearts two for not having as much platforming as one. When I went back to Kingdom Hearts one, I said, "Why did I want this platforming?" <laughs> there you go. There you go. That is like my like main thing about Kingdom Hearts one. When I look back on it, it is I'm like, it's that pretty game, painful. It's painful to play. Uh, the level design is at times almost literally duct tape. You can see the yeah. seams. Like it's a prototype for the series. You can see all the ideas that they want to have, like what they're trying to go for. And I think it's service is that kind of thing. But I'm very glad that they have not gone back to that style. Mm-hmm. I won't say there's anything they completely abandoned going on to the next uh, versions of it, but you can definitely see there's things they never did the same way again. Mm-hmm. They polished it up. Yeah. So anything else you remember about Kingdom Hearts one that like still sticks out fondly to you? I entertain while I had more stunt voices in the later games. Billy Zane, David Boreanaz, people who just don't True. really do voice work and in really weird spots like uh, like Lance Bass is Sephiroth just doing battle quotes. Yeah, that's a very weird thing to do. And I kind of miss that that's no longer in the game. Yeah, series. I mean, but I mean, George Newbern doing Sephiroth and I know people like to compare it to Superman versus the elite when Superman goes uh, crazy mode. Hmm. Uh, I don't quite understand that reference. I'm sorry. In the uh, cartoon Superman vs. the Elite, which is basically a, a reconstruction of Superman facing off against asshole heroes who can ki- who will kill, who in fact are versions uh, are like parodies of the boys who just had the recent Netflix series. There's a point in the end where Superman appears to have completely snapped. He just drops into this flat, dark tone because George Nor- Newbern did Sephiroth. It sounds just like he's doing a Sephi. <laughs> Huh. OK, it's pretty cool. And that's actually a really good adaptation of a really good comic. I'd love to sh- get you to watch at some point. All right. It's an anime, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. I overall, I I think when I went back to Kingdom Hearts one, I appreciated the. I, I guess the the story with Riku a lot more. Uh, I think it's because I was more attached to Riku later than I was from the first game. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I disliked Riku at the starts. I said, King of Hearts one, Riku is a pretty intolerable kid. (laughs) But like, uh, when you see the full scope of his character arc over the series, you kind of go back and you're like, yeah, I know what is going to happen to this guy. So I understand (laughs) like, this is just the start of his journey. You know, know I actually think of in recent fiction. Who? Uh, Sasha. From Amphibia. Yes, that is an extremely good comparison. I need to get you to watch Amphibia, Matt. Amphibia is fantastic. Trying to be the alpha of their friend group, controlling, um, obsessive with things, goes dark. But it's someone who honestly just needs a little bit of work on themselves, a little bit of understanding. Maybe someone calling them a dumbass once and they will grow up exponentially. And an animal friend who has committed atrocities to maybe help their growth as well. Yes. Oh, God. Mickey doing crime line. Uh, Mickey doing crimes <laughs> quotes. Yes. Drinker of Bogwarts. A watcher of, Tem- a watcher of Suspicion Island. There you go. Uh, watcher yeah. of watch Suspicion it. Island. Burp. So, yeah, people watch Amphibia. Amphibia is fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's Kingdom Hearts 1. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Chain of Memories. Uh, I don't right. think this got much music in it other than Castle Oblivion stuff in Melody. Yeah. Which it really does- is just like... It's a game made out of all the existing assets 
even yeah. the original when it was kind of that simpler drawn style, it's clearly still using as much as it could from the original game. So it does. So it like reuses all the music as well. So we don't have to go through a lot of new music. I there. But kind of suspect think? it's the game that was made when this when the first when the original was more successful than they expected, because I yeah. think they probably always wanted a sequel. But that sequel was going to take some time. And they had a strong response than they expected. So they made this in between game. That's that's a theory I, of mine. Also, I, this was an this was a era where a lot of successful Square games got mobile tie ins or portable tie ins. That is. Yeah. Um, like the GBA was a very prolific platform for Square. You got remakes of the first six Final Fantasies on it. You got they didn't get Chrono Trigger. That ended up having to go to the DS. But um, like. What else did they get? They got Sword of Mana as a remake of the original Final Fantasy Adventure. Um, like Square did a lot of GBA work and Chain of Memories fits in with that. I still want to go back and play the actual GBA version of it. Nomura was hesitant about releasing a Kingdom Hearts title in the GBA, feeling that graphics would not translate. Change his position after hearing that children wanted to play Kingdom Hearts on the GBA. That makes uh, sense. Yeah, I'm ki- I've always been kind of worried. Curious, I've never actually played Final Fantasy XII Revenant Wings, which was the portable tie-in for Final Fantasy XII. I don't know if it was any good or not, whether it was a train wreck or actually not not I, bad. But just a week ago, John was telling me how much twelve he hates everything it stands for. That was great. I've, I have hashed out that hatred on this pod. <laughs> it's true, but like I said, we were having another conversation of this all. Yeah. Um, I would still probably be interested in trying out Revenant Wings sometime, but I believe that was a DS title, not a GBA title. Well, yeah, but I mean portable tie-in. Yeah, yeah. Like, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance got put out on the GBA. Marsh did nothing wrong. (laughs) 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 You're you're not saying that just to make me mad. Yes. And make me confused. I'm uh, I'm the I'm the guy who 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 uh, has the take that Marsh is the real villain of Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. You and the rest of the Internet. <laughs> I am so terrible at strategic RPGs. I played almost none of them after my absolute failings. So it's fine. Chain of Memories. Uh, I want to play the GBA version uh, at some point in my life. I have it. I came to resent the game I played of it. So. Yeah. Re Chain of Memories. I I agree. It's kind of like that version of it feels like a like it shouldn't have happened. <laughs> <laughs> it was made sort of like as a add-in tie-in to Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix in Japan, right? I think so. I believe so. It makes sense that that's the version that we get on consoles in HD, even though it's, like, pretty clearly not the version that has uh, actually been yeah. polished around its mechanics. We put a lot of uh, daylight into discussing why we think the uh, conversion, but with the mechanics still half in place, was might have been part of the reason it feels like such a mess. Yeah. yeah. But like, So let's talk about the story, though, because that's still a thing. Chain of Memory's story is actually very interesting. We was it it's was so experimental. Right? Like yeah, for using recaps, for using like uh, almost filler type elements, it surprisingly puts together an interesting story and kind of really shows. Much like Kingdom Hearts one, it's fascinating how the story just shifts without clutch once the, all the Disney characters are disposed of. Yeah. Chain of Memories really shows that you can get even bolder with the original stuff. Yeah, and honestly, yeah. The original stuff in Chain of Memories is like the start of Kingdom Hearts experimenting with its world and concepts and like building things out. It still is funny to me that that like they aren't called Organization 13 yet. They're just the organization. Yes. (laughs) I don't know how many we need. (laughs) I think think it's kind of interesting here how because Chain of Memories, I think, is where Kingdom Hearts really started on this philosophical bent. 
Yes, I agree. Um, oh, the whole it's, it basically goes all the way from your good friend's heart is inside you. And that's just weird to what his memory, what is personality? What is like a weird copy of someone? And what and how do memories tie to uh, who you are and what is and like and how do memories smell? <laughs> I think the general thing that it lands on is memories being a crucial component component of the heart. And, it, and, and like that, it, you can see that going forward in the entire series, like how it uses memory from then on. They do just there's an intrinsic I uh, got there's an intrinsic self. That's the mm-hmm. called memories of the heart, like what you are deep down, even if what you can openly recall isn't there it's still like yeah. there's still a self yeah that's their conclusion mm-hmm. shall we move on yeah kingdom hearts 2 here's this is kind of the battle revelation game i i'm still sorry that i got you to play critical mode jared because i know that ended <sighs> up not working out for you well but like, so i got what it was supposed to be but i just something like i don't process that well i can fight strategically but something about kingdom hearts i'm not very good at it so mm-hmm. My thing that I've realized is I'm not actually good at video games. I realized that when I was watching Matt play Kingdom Hearts 3 on Critical Mode. <laughs> and me, I, I have Twitch reflexes. Like, I can, I'm good at Hades because I'm very good at dashing all the fuck over the place and dodging things. Yeah. But Kingdom Hearts, like I said, it's kind of more tactical timing, and that's more difficult. I'm super tenacious, and I will eventually get something down and figure out, like, my own rhythm for it. But I take a lot longer to get there. Like... Like with Hades, I get super aggressive uh, and like when I actually am playing Hades, I get a totally different brain pattern going on. <laughs> well, I, said, I described that when my my twitch reflexes, my dash reflexes do a lot to, for, for my skill at. Yep. Um, and I know you've had times you did times you've been surprised. I'm talking about certain things I'm better at. You, you think it's weird how fast my reflex is going to be just yeah. playing games. It's but, a certain hand eye coordination. Yeah. But. but Kingdom Hearts 2 overall just went to a level where it became one of the gold standards for what a 3D action RPG should look like and feel like yeah. across the industry. I agree with that. Which is funny because the story just smacks a little bit of indecision. So like, let's talk about that story real quick. Like, I remember back in the day, everyone complained about the uh, super long uh, intro chapter. But now when I look back on it, I'm like, that's some of the best stuff in all of Kingdom Hearts. With the intro chapter with Roxas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know people at this time were feeling kind of how close is this to MGS2, by the way? <laughs> uh, it's many years after MGS2. It's closer to MGS3. And yeah, I'm pretty sure people were still thinking about it. Mm-hmm. They're thinking of it as a ride. They were thinking as the uh, boat chapter, the ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was so much back then that like people were not appreciating what tri- games were trying to do yeah. all the time back then. <laughs> I mean, even now, you could argue, but yeah, yeah. Even now, people are having a hard time really appreciating what games are trying to do. But I think about things that we know that several org members kind of get thrown away. Like Zaldin's existence is because they decided not to have like a stomp boss fight. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of gives this really like they knew what they wanted with the story. Then they decide a number and then they instantly regret the number. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I would say that there's that I kind of think that the complaining about the first the prologue with Roxas is probably just some loud people because it obviously Roxas became popular either in spite yeah. of it or because, because of it, who knows? I, I think that that was, that was something that grew with time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I would agree with that. Like yeah. the people that, that Kingdom Hearts two really resonated with back in the day. I think you're definitely right about that. 
I think I was confused by the Roxas story when I first played it years and years ago. I didn't hate yeah. it, but I definitely was confused. Because I, among other things, I had not played Ching. Mm, yeah. I was fascinated by it, but I did not quite get it yet. Yeah, I do admit that going back to Kingdom Hearts 2, I was way more invested in Roxas than the first time I played it. And you really it said and you realize like from this is a weird intro to this is a horrifying tragedy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Fuck this. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> fuck this. Absolutely. One hundred percent. But but then uh, the story is a, the story is a little bit more consistent. Having the org members appear more frequently rather than being the set of Disney villains works. But then the Disney villains kind of appear and wander in and out at times. And that's something that's mm. never quite gone away. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 is also the one where they sort of experimented in splitting the world in two in terms of story, like where you went, you went to each world once and then you came back later. And I think and they never did that again. <laughs> they never did that again for good reason. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that worked very well. <laughs> I will say they soon with Birth by Sleep tried something similar, but then they kind of they keep doing it, actually some versions of it. But, you know, they never did it as they all at once and then all again. The Disney World speedrun would probably work a lot better if they opened up a lot more of the maps. But also if like the story actually had input, like the organization is supposed to be shifting to active mode. And what they do is just a couple of them show up, drop monsters on you and then walk, then fuck off. Yeah. There's a lot more just like the organization vaguely trolling rather than the organization feeling actually threatening. <laughs> That'd be just this, this group, uh, this, this toxic online forum never quite went away. I know we made jokes about that before. <laughs> so, uh, Zigbar, uh, in final mix, starting to like showing the seeds of what Nomura is cooking. <laughs> the second, yeah, the second he switches final mix, where he starts having even bigger ideas, immediately Zigbar starts doing shits. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. hilarious. Like you just notice it in all the added scenes. In yeah. the original two, he's an also ran. He appears once to say he's not Riku, and then you fight him. Yeah, I definitely remember him being the least memorable organization member back when I first played two. Hmm. And, and like even when I was doing my first playthrough of the series, I didn't think much of him. And I was just kind of like, why does this asshole keep showing up? Yeah, his fight was mildly interesting, as I recall. But yeah, <laughs> and then I get to the end of three. and It's like, oh, this asshole has a point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I go back <laughs> he, and play through the series again. And oh, time, Revol- it's like, oh, I see. Revolver Ocelot's way more connected with the lore after all. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> He's so much wine to be that. But you can argue who's better. He's the Revolver Ocelot of Kingdom Hearts, yeah. And honestly, he's about as fun as Revolver Ocelot, too, now that I've come back through. Isn't Revolver Ocelot like a triple or quadruple agent or something like that? Yes. Yeah. He's he. Yeah. Not only is he work for the shadowy organization behind everything and join and screw every group he can. He's working for someone underneath that against that. Yes. <laughs> to the point of complete self personality and memory destruction. He is obsessed with Big Boss in a way that is quite unhealthy is the best way. I call to it sparkly it. <laughs> in a way that is sparkly. That's that's not what I was going for. <laughs> no, I mean, it's one way or the other. Like he sees him as just a shiny, awesome thing. No, no, here. Graha Tia is sparkly about the Warrior of Light. <laughs> Revolver <laughs> Ocelot is unhealthy about Big Boss. <laughs> they are not Dark, the same. Dark sparkles. In Kingdom Hearts 2, I really I really enjoyed Xemnas the second time around more than I did the first time. Xemnas is fascinating in ways that I don't think Nomura realizes. Yeah. yeah, I think they understood a little bit with Days when they really they really hype up the cult leader elements. Like he is more than just a big bad. He is a he is a disturbing demagogue leading a bunch of lost souls. 
Yeah. Yes. Like, I don't know if Nomura was actually going for that vibe, but like actually capturing that cult leader vibe with him is pretty fascinating. All his big as in days, even the day's movie, all his speeches and that really just scream. Yeah. Here's our big moments. And yeah, just an inch away from going to the really dark end of most of those. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So his favorite music. Everyone agrees to Salanica, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I like a lot of the a lot of the uh, the world that never was yeah. tracks. Well, I'm, I got to stick to the stuff that's like in the Disney worlds here. Uh, well, you know, Disney Castle almost broke me. Like Timeless River almost broke me because of all the grinding I did there. Uh, yeah, but was it the music that broke you? Disney Castle yes. playing like eight bars of the Mouse yes. Gear theme almost made me snap. Yes. It's not the Mouse Gears means it's the Mickey Mouse Club. Uh, dude, where do you think the Mouseketeers are from? Oh, OK. Never mind. Here's the thing. You spend way more time in Timeless River than you do in Disney Castle. If you're actually like leveling stuff up, the yes. Timeless River line is just as repetitive and it is stuck in my fucking brain. But <laughs> everybody say Timeless River, da, 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 da. that whole like circus theme just pops into my head. <laughs> like, that's the best way I have to describe it as a circus theme. And I'm pretty sure it made it into Melody of Memory. <laughs> I keep thinking of the one that sticks in my head from that. That's just from a non endgame world. This still isn't Disney, but uh, the Halabastion town theme keeps sure. popping into my head. I have that aggressive like uh, maybe last world, but not actually theme is just the hanging around the town theme, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like um, you, it's interesting to see how that theme evolves over the series where like in Kingdom Hearts 2, there's like a new version of it that's like trying to like rebuild. And with uh, Birth by Sleep, you get the this is Radiant Garden at its peak. And it's always the same light motif, but it's a different feel each time you go there. I guess we go on the days and well, since it's days when the movies one, we can certainly talk about without the story, but there's not much else to add to it. Yeah, not much to add there, but uh, days like, is a tragedy. Again. Yeah, like I'm, I'm when I look back on it now, I'm like, yeah, this is like if I'm just thinking about individual stories, I think this has gone up in my rankings. <laughs> but it oh, yeah. kind of as a movie, it's a little weird because not only do they chunk out all sorts of gameplay elements, but because the game is doing little twists and turns. It's a very weird, choppy story with dead ends, like characters falling into comas randomly and sticking yeah. there without a lot of meaning. We really should have done the the uh, the actual DS games. So the problem way. with doing the actual DS game of it would be that, like, it still is going to the same old worlds as before. Yeah, it's not like part of the goal of this podcast was more to focus on like the each world is it narrative, but also how each world like fits into that. And talking about the same worlds over and over again, especially when we went through Birth by Sleep, that made my ranking of Birth by Sleep go down, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Like, um, that kind of, it actually ends up with kind of the Bravely Default problem and that you're doing the same thing over and over again with not enough variants. Yeah, well, like, mm-hmm. like Bravely Default, I still like and I think it was a very good game, uh, especially when like at, at one point in Bravely Default, would they the suggestion of, hey, would you like to try doing something stupid? And you did something stupid and there and you stupid. fucked around and, fu- and you fucked around and found out. Yeah, I love it when games let me fuck around and find out. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say, though, is Birth by Sleep doesn't do that. Birth by Sleep doesn't let you fuck around and find out. It just has you do the same worlds three times. But like I said, Shion, as weird as her story is and as much as they kind of quietly not use parts of her when they return her to, to three really is a striking, a striking story. Yeah, Shion's an amazing character. 
Yeah, I kind of feel like it would be interesting to go back because from what I know and from what one of our listeners has mentioned is that what was cut from the movie is just a huge amount of characterization from the entire organization. Yeah. Since he is, I'm still not sure if I'm saying their name right. Yep. Really has been on a passionate description of that in our um, discord about how much that was added there that we didn't see. And I certainly yeah. respect that. It's not going to send I, me back to it myself, but I certainly respect somebody wanting to share this with us and show us. I have so many games to play that I have no time to get to it right now, but I haven't bullied into buying a copy of days and I will play it eventually. I promise. <laughs> I mean, I, I got that new copy of uh, 13 Sentinels. And I couldn't find my first one. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I, I got that almost to the end of that one. <laughs> mm. uh, anyway, let's move on. Uh, I, yeah. Birth by Sleep. We kind of, yeah. I, I kind of said my piece on Birth by Sleep, how like Days has gone up and Birth by Sleep has gone down in my overall it's funny. We go through tragedy after tragedy. Uh, Roxas's yeah. tragedy, Roxas's tragedy with extra tragedy from other tragic people, and now the tragedy <laughs> of the past. Yeah, yep. like... I mean, it, I think the angle of building it up as a tragedy is very good. I just think like there's not they don't do enough with the uh, multiple perspectives. Was well, wasn't a bad idea to chunk up the map so different ones are going different places and it helps a little. The stories don't really vary enough, especially whenever the stories link up. It kind of just relies on showing the same thing again. For I think the most memorable difference is uh, Ventus in Castle of Dreams because it's so out of left field. <laughs> I mean, at least the aqua gets shrunk. You kind of saw it coming. But yeah, with Ventus, it's just like, why are we small? Why are we talking to a rat? Why are we making a dress? <laughs> at, at the time, I did mention it, but I really would have liked to see Nomura pull a Rashomon uh, yeah. on on the the common parts of birth by sleep and i think that would have made it a lot more compelling the story was there for that i just think it's some of my favorite rashomon's like in farscape had a really good one um like what do you say what your favorites of that type of story is um as in like you have different perspectives on these mm -hmm. same scenes Mm -hmm. I cannot say right now. Yeah. <laughs> I like Farscape because it takes several characters with blatant viewpoints and extreme like obsessions and prejudices. And so it it has them basically defending their lives at a trial with some really pissed off aliens. And they're still saying, like, well, I was the awesome one that everyone trusted. And this guy was a prick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess I get, can say, like, right now, at the very least, um, I've been reading the manga for Yuri is my job because I've really been liking that anime this season. And like one thing that is really apparent in it is it does sort of like do a good job showing how di different people react to the same scenes. It, like oh. how like is different in their minds, even if it's not different in reality. And that kind of thing is like could be more done birth by sleep, even if you don't like, but, change the actual scenes. Yeah. And by the way, of course, Jojo does one and it fucks it. It breaks it over its knee. Just fuck with you by having all the different things actually happening. <laughs> it's part seven. But if you're wondering. This must be the work of an enemy stand. Very much so, yes. But it's <laughs> extremely surreal. It shows all the viewpoints that things are incredibly not matching up. And then an even crazier thing happens. Also, yeah, the other thing I want to say about Birth by Sleep, like I wasn't the biggest fan of the command deck when the first time I played. Second time I played it, I hated the command deck even more. I kind of like grinding up the high level commands a little bit. Yeah, but... that, it's, it's it's it is a better materia system. I will say that much. <laughs> Yeah. What I would say is that the part that I liked the most was I liked the buildup of Xehanort as a yes. as a threat and a, a player in this like, series lore. 
I still can't stop giggling about uh, about Mr. Wizened uh, Bridge Troll. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty interesting how Xehanort has been like, first we just get Ansem Seeker of Darkness as a, oh, here's a Final Fantasy S villain in your uh, Kingdom Hearts game because we need to have that, I guess. And over time, it's been developed from multiple angles. Like, honestly, I would say the character that's most embodies the Rashomon idea is Xehanort because of how many angles we see of him. We see yeah. him, like, yeah. all his raw emotions ripped out doing their own thing in Ansem Seeker of Darkness. You see, like, him seeking for companionship, like, when all that emotion is ripped away from him in Xemnas. Like, mm-hmm. there are angles to Xehanort that we get through the various parts of him mm-hmm. that I think are pretty fascinating. And, yeah. like, that's why I'm, like, really excited to get to Dark Road, because, like, being able to see a lot more of, like, see how they handle that. And I've heard that it's, like, very well written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So the birth by sleep, I got some music. I always say how much, you know, it's always great to have Rage Awaken kick in. And there's yeah. any version of the Awakening themes that they use. And that it's very dramatic. But I won't say that any of the Disney worlds stick out to me at all. Oh, my gosh. I think it might have some of the worst music. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, succeeded by those couple themes. Like, actually, yeah, I will say in Melody of Memory, the music was like some of my least favorite levels in general. Mm. You were fighting on verse as well. And guess what? I didn't like that either. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's say code. I do want to go through code nice and fast. We finally get, go, go away from tragedies, I guess. It's too farce. <laughs> yeah. This should be, yeah. I feel like the way they redo everything, it should be like a noises off farce where the repetition gets weirder and weirder. Anyone familiar with that play? Learning about the context for why coded is the way it is is kind of fascinating. Yeah. How it like started as an episodic mobile game. And is every- anyone familiar with Noises Off? No. no. It's a it's a play slash um, I believe seventies eighties movie. It's about showing three performances of a play with uh, with from front screen back screen. One from the dress rehearsal. Two about a month into into the tour where everything's breaking down. And three when everyone just wants to leave. Like, oh, that like sounds cool. Later. It's really good, and it's it's a pretty legendary movie with people like Carol. I want to say Carol Burnett in it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a '92 film. Um, said it has right, like Carol Burnett, Michael Caine, John Ritter, Christopher Reeve. It's a pretty stacked cast. Nice. And but that's what this should have been, like in some way. Like yeah. we're going through the same stuff again, but things should be getting well, weirder. Like the reality should be breaking down, but it's not. I think that might be a part of the problem of uh, again not having the game. <laughs> yeah, but I do wonder would I enjoy it because um, I don't know. From what I've heard, it is the best version of the command deck, but mm. <laughs> I feel like I would still feel like I'm going through everything three times. Pro- probably. I, I have no idea how it actually feel to play it. And I'm and unlike days, I am not going to be bullied into playing coding. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dream Drop Distance just to go straight to that is the weird one. I yes. love Dream Drop Distance. Even Dream Drop Distance is easily the most surreal Kingdom Hearts game there is. I love except, it. except when three goes on its acid trip in the last act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, God, Dream Drop Distance, it's gone way up in my rankings. Yeah. It's such a weird story. It is gleefully making up its own rules and just dare you to come along. Yeah, you're basically okay because all the motivations are very, are very root one, very straightforward. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't play it for completion, I think you'll probably have a good time. It's like, don't I, do what I, I, I did. smelled its completion after a second. It's like, nope. Yeah, that's <laughs> a smart I, move. 
Yeah. Riku is like, like I, I can smell your foul stench completion. I shall leave. Yes. Yeah. That's one of the one of the reasons I don't actually like monster collecting games in general, even though I like a lot of the critters, is that I I refuse to do completion with monster monster collection games. Well, though, the problem isn't like the completion of the monster collection. It's the problem is both how you get the monster completion, which requires you to do a shit ton of grinding on Mm -hmm. uh, the special portals. Because that's the only way you can get some of the materials to make the high end monsters. And with and with the RNG in a very sadistic multiple layer. Yeah, like there's so much of it that is just like anti-completionist in design. I I don't mind killing a field full of rodents looking for the one special rodent to catch. I can just <laughs> stay there and kind of just zone out. at. But I keep running back and forth, dropping, checking weather reports, checking different parts of the map. I'm just not there for that. It is... I would say, like, Dream Drop Distance is designed by someone who does not want you to play for completion, which is why they have some of the most obnoxious completion trophies in existence. And and Koroks, possibly. <laughs> Koroks are the best anti-completion vaccine I've ever seen. No, the best anti-completion vaccine I've ever seen is Excalibur 2 in uh, Final Fantasy IX. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Open the system tray to cut the cutscenes? Did I read they just found a really huge... No, it was 10. They found a really huge um, new... Um, speed run skip in it for any percent. Nice. Hmm. I cut like minutes off it. <laughs> Apparently speed running in nine has become so good that you don't need to open up the tray to skip cutscenes in it. But, mm. uh, um, especially cause nowadays you don't play with CDs. You just play in a regular game. This but. is true. But I said, but the story it's, it's insane. Past villains are showing up with no reason. They wave to you, wander off. You're, you're seeing past versions of characters, you know, for no reason. There's this douchebag who's trying to sell you on his, uh, on all his fiat currencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like at the end, at the end, we completely missed the huge clues of the new character designs until they're pointed out to us by the villains. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know anyone who actually got those. <laughs> right. in if you have, <laughs> Riku's Dream Eater sigil is visible the entire time he's playing. Oh, it's yeah. staring you in the face. Yeah. The accent sore is more subtle because you'll just think it's more Nomura, bat, Nomura, Nomura belts, but it's pretty wild. Yeah. And like I said, and we end with Sora getting reset to level one explicitly. Yeah. <laughs> with a whole bunch of new characters showing up again with with the villains plan to being being Agent Smith for some reason. Me, 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 me. <laughs> yep. And the whole trick is just is just we're collecting copies of Xehanort from across time in order to be the worst villain supergroup there is. Yeah. But we don't have enough copies, so we're stealing other characters in DVR and marking OG Xehanort do not steal. Yes. <laughs> but again, like all that, all that is just like it's it's beautiful. it's a flurry of madness and it's weird that it works. Yeah, that's the big thing. It's like you get great character bits for both Sora and Riku in that game. Oh, yeah. The fact yeah. is the characters have really reached their most likable forms. Like yeah. Sora is still going to be Sora. But he's not quite as clueless on important like, things. Like he'll he at least can still notice villains. Finally, he can notice villains. And like when he starts being able to like acknowledge his the other hearts within him. Yeah, it is like. Like legitimately moving to me, and and Riku has at this point between Chain of Memories two, 
uh, and even like some stuff in like days and all that. This is Riku finally purging all the stupidity out of his life and just getting to be a healthy version of himself by the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is yeah. where where Riku actually becomes an extremely likable character. Yeah, and I love the music because I really love Fantasia. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't believe Fantasia music got into this into Melody of Memories, unfortunately. It's public domain, too. Uh, uh, fragmentary passage. What would we yep. do without seeing that that uh, Aqua lived a hellish life? <laughs> I I appreciate fragmentary passage for what it is, even if it's tech, just like yeah, tech, tech demo, tech demo that they actually sold. Was like Aqua, um, Aqua living her worst life, <laughs> and uh, and learning why Mickey lost his shirt, um, which is of course the most important mystery of Kingdom Hearts, and, and, and learning how Mickey lost his soul. <laughs> That's not that important. <laughs> Yeah, but now we know, and now we know why we should never, ever trust him if we say, we yeah. say please hold this up. I'm trying to think of a good way to put it. Oh, I know, Mickey's trolley problem. That's the problem <laughs> here. God damn it! Gosh, I don't know. If I if I actually hang out to the back of the trolley, I'll get where I'm going faster. They'll put Mickey's trolley problem as an attraction in Walt Disney World next to Nick, Mickey's Dick Smasher. <laughs> Dude. Oh, <God. laughs> <laughs> okay, now that has this to be. No, we're not calling the ep- we're not calling the episode Mickey's Dick Smasher. Just gonna put that out there. Oh, the episode of Sora and Riku face the music. I, I I don't even think we need to say it right now. We have we we have it's our opportunity to finish the Trinity after we started in Dream Drop Distance. I said Aqua's narration would be kind of funny for how dramatic it was if you didn't actually see how horrific her life is being for the last decade. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Like I do feel like you'd get a good feel for who. Uh, like how much she's been suffering. Yeah. Like I appreciate the, that the game had to be made just like to fill in one little gap of just be like, and then we didn't get to dress up Sora. I'm okay with that. <laughs> eh, it would be funny. I mean, Sora's going around wearing Minnie's bow and then Mickey could be really, really confused. Oh no. <laughs> uh, I kind of get dress up Sora in some form with his form changes with the worlds. Anyway, true. also worth mentioning though, the fragmentary passage does not have any tracks present in melody and memory. Yeah, mm. near this back cover, but as a single narrative, it, which I don't even think I think it's like just kind of this flowing music. I mean, I kind of sad you're not playing the Masters of Ma- Master and Masters psychotic piano theme. That would be a hellish thing to run the game. <laughs> so let's, I want to quickly like ask you all real quick. Master of Masters. Do we still think he's a villain? Yes. He is a villain in any definition. Either yes. He's a villain who is doing monstrous thing with a, a, a good goal. Or he's somehow the second, the third coming of Zelos after after Nagito. Oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh no! He's gonna take off his hood and he's gonna be the next Tumblr sexy man. <laughs> oh, you're telling me that? You're telling me you're not expecting him to either have Lush's uh, um, FF villain hair or just be, or just be that? I would be very delighted if he had the same face as Sora. I expect. With, I want to be Sora with Zeno's hair. <laughs> Figure that weird image out. That's very weird. That I can't deny. <laughs> no, since but he's yeah. going to be a Tumblr sexy man, he's going to be if Nomura designed the Onceler. Oh no. Oh god. I'm getting out of hand. Let's, I'm let's, sad that the phrase Onceler fucker exists. <laughs> this is getting way too out of hand. Let's go on to Kingdom Hearts 3 before we start doing even more of that. Yeah. So what's there to say about this? You we know? just finished it. We just talked about it for 
for 10 episodes. It's yeah. strange that the Disney worlds continued to feel like they were almost grafted on. But otherwise, yeah. yeah. It, I, I even though it like has some of the worst Disney worlds, it also has some of the best Disney worlds. Yeah. And it does at times it really shows they'll be fun. They'll use the narratives of it for to, to have intelligent, connected theming. And then sometimes they just wanted to see if they could uh, re- recreate a music number. Now, yeah. it's also kind of clear that like Kingdom Hearts 3 had a kind of troubled development compared to Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. Partly because like I think it was originally going to be a PS3 game and then it had to jump consoles and jump uh, game engines. It had a very long development time, right? It, ha- it was stuck in development hell for a while. I believe yeah. its original announcement was 2013. And that's yeah, ignoring that's the fact that people have been expecting it since 2003. But yeah, well. 2006, uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 came out in 2005, so. Oh, okay. I am not going to remember that. But either way, announced 2013, came out in 19, jumped at least one engine, and yeah. yeah. Was it originally announced for PS3, or was it just like like a pre-PS4? I forget. Honestly, I'm not sure. I can't remember that one. Well, in any case, like, um, it feels like it was originally intended to be for PS3, and then it just had to jump consoles like everything else Square was doing at the time that was just like not working out. And it's bold how much they chose to just say, you're going to have to play the other games. Yeah. It's kind of a dick move at times, but it's also very bold. Yeah. Well, they also did a very good thing in that they knew that if they were expecting you to play all the other games, they actually did put out a collection for you to do that. Yeah. The collections that they put out and also the stuff that is in the game for people that like might not even know about that is very good. Um, I mean, there are some scenes that come off as very recappy, but I think they do a better job of explaining what happened to the older games than the older games did. <laughs> they made a small YouTube cottage industry of Kingdom Hearts explainers preparing you for Kingdom Hearts 3, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is really wild that like, this is the big ending to the story. Oh, whoops, Sora's off on another adventure by force. At least we won't need to have a side game to re- reset Sora to level one. He's already going to do that. <laughs> Just yeah, you assume he's like he did. Did they say he'd lose his powers again? Yeah, uh, I mean he's completely lost his body and his life. He's in the he, he's no longer real. He is not in reality. Well, we, <laughs> we don't know that yet. We need to go through the final fight with Xehanort at the end of Melody of Memory to know that. <laughs> but yeah, but honestly, like I said, I don't. As, as much as this is the retrospective, I think that's all we really need to say about three. It really made this big crazy adventure just all one big uh, climax. I do want to add in just like I think I might have said it before, but like the way that Melody of Memory handles the music for Kingdom Hearts three worlds, I do not like where it is all the like cinematic track over a pre-rendered cutscene type thing. Uh, like it doesn't have any of the good battle themes. So is it kind of do like those um, like those uh, FMV levels in the theater of them? We're just playing. Part yeah. Of the- yeah. But with worse controls. Yeah. That along with the secret battles being way too hard I was the reason why I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't need to do completion on this. I, <laughs> I, I don't have to do that. I am able to choose my own fate. <laughs> but yeah, it's wild. It really is wild. Just saying here, this has been over a year of a project. And we're approaching the end of it. <laughs> I know. Right. But we still have a little bit more that we can actually talk about in kingdom hearts. Cause at the end of melody of memory, there's story. <laughs> Kyrie gets dumped off in the final world at the end of all and just kind of sitting sadly. Their memories didn't really mean anything. And then Master Xehanort shows up. Yep. Uh, There is a final music fight with Xehanort, but in the middle of it, 
like a carry gets knocked down to another cutscene, I believe. Yeah, and fucking Sora comes out of Kyrie to fight Xehanort. Like Sora's outline overlays Kyrie like over a picture. He's silent. He's clearly trying to speak, but nothing's gonna be out. And Xehanort's like, "Oh, your voice is where you we can't you we can't hear you." Yeah, and he does the last fight. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> Kyrie. She already spent three dead for tax purposes. Does she really need to have to do tag out here? <laughs> there is a certain point for where I'm kind of like, Namura, what is your problem with women? <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to say he's got like an Oda, like an Oda problem with women. Like, uh, well, it's just going to be Oda problem with women. Uh, Death Note. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, uh, Aitra Oda also kind of has a... Uh, Oh, yeah, he's just kind of Ichiro Oda is a little bit of I'm a bit old fashioned and I and I am amused by drawing women big boobs, but I also draw weirder women and still make them good characters. So he's better than some. <laughs> I'm talking about the fact that he has a like how many fights has Robin had since the time skip? Like actual fights. Mm, was she well, Black Maria? One Black Maria. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. I will say how many fights has Nami had? Hmm. <laughs> I will say, though, he's more willing to show unusual body types than a lot of other manga writers. So I yeah, actually put him above that's true. some of them. So. Yeah, that's true. But still, I'm, I'm just pointing out, like, like as far as agency of characters go, like, I do not get what Nomura's issue is. <laughs> it's like he has a certain distrust. I think I, it might be a distrust of the audience or it might just be like his, a distrust right. of his own ability to write. But like the only female character that we're able to play as in the series is Aqua. And, and a very brief Kyrie for one fight. Yeah, and a very brief Kyrie for one fight. And I was just going to say, in One Piece, doesn't Carrot get more fights than that? <laughs> oh, yeah, I said that's a thing. I think Oda in One Piece, he's worried that Robin and Nami, like Robin makes fights boring, doesn't do them right. And he kind of made Nami a support character, so he struggles with that. He, he's, yeah. like, he's, he's kind of having a, I wonder if he's having a hard time thinking of a new idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I don't know for sure, but I wonder. We'll we'll talk about all that in a few seasons. So, yeah, Sora beats Master Xehanort. Yeah. And vanishes. Yep. Revanishes. Yeah, kind of. Revanishes is the best way to put it. So, uh, so Master Xehanort, who, by the way, was bragging that he was Kyrie's memory, but still was going to hurt her, kind of relents and says, I know something like, here's a memory you forgot. Yep. And so we got to see how Kyrie got to go to Destiny Islands because he was sent there by Terra Xehanort. After she was grabbed, right? Well, she was put in some sort of pod. Like, we don't even see how he had her. We just see, like, for expression. She's in a weird pod hooked to machine, which apparently he deliberately sent her across the worlds and expected it would be like, fate will guide your ship to where you're meant to be and I'll be able to follow you. But then he says something really important. If you arrive in a world that's neither light nor darkness, but somewhere on the other side, your task will be far from easy. And with that, Kyrie wakes up. He <laughs> realizes, oh, I've been surrounded by middle-aged men for a year. <laughs> Not good. Not good at all. But And, and about Evan is still there talking, so... Yep. And did so, they, like, did they just go up? By the way, I have a question. Did they go up to Vex and just stab him in the head so Evan would return again, or did he just kind of stay as is? I, th- I think he stayed as Vexen. I think that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just regrew his heart, and that's fine, but. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's totally fine. 
Like at this point, it seems like it's a bit weird to hash out whether or not nobodies are people or not when nobodies can just hang around and be people. Yeah. So, yeah. So because that memory was deep, it's buried inside her mind. It's finally something that's a clue. They kind of ponder over what it means. Ansem the Wise speculates that Sora must be in a world that is the other side of reality, a fictional world, which is a hell of a leap. Yeah. In fact, here's the whole go through the whole line there. Well, this is a little bit later. Riku in the Fairy Godmother shows up and he expands on his thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Yes, perhaps. The three realms of our world, light, darkness, and between, these are all places we can travel to because they are on our side. This also includes the worlds of memories, data, and dreams. If I am correct, then this other side of the, our world for which voices cannot reach, must be a place outside of our reality. Namely, it must be unreality or fiction. But that is the extent of our knowledge. I, I love, love how he's established how many worlds they can go to. Yeah, like and <laughs> like think about it. Like in that cosmology, they've uh, detailed the idea of the main world has the idea of light and darkness. Between is. Kind of like where the nobodies have come from. Is that the idea that they're going for? Or I, it's more where I think it's like that's the void where places like the world that never was cropped up. So not quite where they come from, but places where they reside. OK, the lanes between and the such. Yeah. And you have worlds that can be built out of memories, data, dreams, all various like ideas. Yeah. Like I mean, you got the Mind Stone. You got the you get ready to use the Time Stone as well. No, um, we're not doing that. We might do oh. that. Kingdom Hearts 4. <laughs> are, are dreams a soul stone? No, but they have to use the reality stone. They have to use the reality stone now. That's my points. God damn it. But so um, the idea of unreality or fiction is kind of fascinating. I like, love it. If it's outside reality, by definition, it's not reality. It's something that's not real is is fictional. It's a fascinating tautology. So, I mean, think about it like this. Uh, in mathematics, there's the concept of imaginary numbers. An imaginary number does exist. Uh, it's. It's considered imaginary, though, because the idea of a square root of a negative number is like there isn't a way to do it with the way numbers normally work, which is how you get I try. But you, I try. But you understand you have lost. me. <laughs> it's easy. What's the square root of one? Yeah, I know what this is. I know what I is. Yeah. OK. But I can't understand how it actually is something that exists. And that is about as far as I can get on imaginary numbers and complex numbers. Yeah. I mean, it, well, it's more the, so. It, it, it's only that it's a useful concept for like uh, math in certain theoretical aspects. Is the I, I think it also gets used in electricity though, right? Yeah. Well, there's a few things where the reason it gets used in electricity is because there's a few theorems that allow you to uh, do some differential equations, and one of the factors ends up being i. If you made an imaginary number into a real system, shouldn't something implode? No. <laughs> That's what it feels like to me. It kind of feels like when I hear people saying there's no we don't know how planes can fly. It just doesn't sound right to me. It's it's just one of those things where where the concept is is useful and there might be something weird with the logic, but it's just a logical construct, more or less. Yeah, like it's the, it's the terms people use to describe it. It's how like point nine nine repeating exactly equals one. I can generally accept it. But it annoys me. <laughs> I, th I think that like the problem is when you get past basic arithmetic and even like things in math start to get a lot more fuzzy. Yeah. And 
I'm mad at how many anime try to explain P equals an MP because I still don't. Well, you, there's there's like a lot P equals MP is a computer science problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's math. I think the actual best thing to look at is looking at formal logic systems because the the best way to the best way to to put this is that I'm worried that he started laughing evilly when you said no, that or No, I, I'm laughing at you, Jared, because I heard your groan. Yeah. The, <laughs> the interesting the interesting thing about the the way formal logic works is that a lot of people don't actually know is that all of math is just a formal logic system. And it's impossible theoretically to prove that a logic system is consistent without bringing in some kind of outside axiom. It's literally impossible. When I was in seventh through ninth grade, I was in a so-called advanced math program that was at the local college. And for some mm-hmm. reason, they really obsessed with symbolic logic. Yeah. Yeah. But that also meant when I went back to normal college, went back to normal high school after I got sick of that shit. I wasn't prepared to get into state exams. I hadn't learned anything about general algebra or, in fact, how they expect graphs to be labeled on tests. So, oh, fun. Oof. That's unfortunate. That fucked me up from. I actually finished fucking me up with math. That's that sucks. Because I, I liked. I was very good at mental arithmetic, so I liked math in many ways. I may have struggled with those other types of math, anyways. It's a little different than how my brain works, but I feel like that. They, they gave I mean, like this. Well, here's this I beam thing made of translucent plastic. Put it down and see how it mirrors the geometry. What the fuck? <laughs> so I think all this amounts to when it comes to math, Matt and I understand it. Don't ask us to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyways, Sora is in some fan fiction that Ansem wrote last year. Maybe. We don't know yet. <laughs> Sora is an AO3. It's like, yes, he is. He's in a lot of AO3. Yes. I was going to say that since Sora is actually in Final Fantasy 15 fan fiction. Very possibly, yes. I thought no, I thought it was in The World Ends With You fan fiction. <laughs> A combination of all of them. Apparently Nomura says it's not World Ends With You because I spell the city different in World's End With You or something like that. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, so Fairy Godmother says that they need three people to reach Sora. <laughs> and she just knows this. Yeah. Uh, she takes Kyrie and Riku to the afterlife. Just like that. <laughs> just how the words like poof, this is where we go when we die sometimes. It's probably a numerological bullshit thing. When you're a fairy, you know this. By the way, this afterlife is so loose, I find myself thinking chainsaw man. What about the four other fates of man besides death, all eaten by chainsaw man? <laughs> oh right. <laughs> that is the thing that happens in there. Yeah. And as long along with Super Chainsaw Man motorcycle, yes. So we need three people. We need Riku who's seen the dreams, Kyrie who has the memory, and now we need like a third person. And it's so that she's taken who her casual trips to to heaven. Yeah, I don't know if I would call this heaven. I would just call this purgatory, the afterlife, limbo. No, you're you're using too many like specifically heavenly terms. This is just a the vague afterlife of Kingdom Hearts is the final world. Let's go with that. <laughs> It is its own thing because we don't want to use all those other things because those are associated with a specific religion. And Disney doesn't want to be specifically associated with that specific religion, except in Hunchback. (laughs) Even then. Well, anyway, so we find out she's actually taking us to meet the nameless star. So I hope we didn't skip that uh, dialogue scenes. I think you can, Max. It is possible. Yeah, I I don't remember if, if you have to talk to everything. I hope you didn't skip everything because it's important. <laughs> they talk to the nameless star. The very godmother, I'm not going to try and do a voice for her, uh, says, you see, she's very special. 
Before it was taken from her, but she managed to find her way here. If she goes back to her world, her heart would definitely be stolen, right, dear? She goes on to say that she would give her back her form if she could, but she can't so well. Oh, boy. <laughs> Sucks to be you. Yeah. The Nameless Star asks about Sora because when they mention him, and she explains how... We know the Nameless Star is female, right? Yeah. It has a very feminine voice, and I believe they have referred to her... Like They do refer to her female pronouns... Yeah, I don't want to play around with like identification, things like that. But I'd say it's safe to assume in this story that we can just go ahead with that. Unless someone yeah. says something otherwise. But yeah, so when Riku mentions his Yozora dream, the star speculates that the city is Quadratum. Is it the city with the most skyscrapers? Quadratum is an interesting term for that. <laughs> like, I mean, does the word mean something as a word? Well, well Quadratum uh, calls to mind like quadratic equations, that kind of thing. Like, hmm. Uh, Four's world, so. I think you might be out of something now, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're back. We're back to Earthbound style, maybe then we're going from one at. Well, (laughs) yep. So the fairy godmother prompts Riku to use his keyblade to create a portal in front of the star. Power waking, I think is. Yeah, he says use your power waking. I have to say, since all indications you can't come back from this world, what they know she kind of feels like she's getting rid of Riku. It does feel like that, doesn't it? <laughs> One less obstacle to me and Merlin's ultimate plan. Oh, no. Fairy Godmother is the truest endgame, even over uh, Maleficent, if they're not already in League. Yeah. Master, 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 Master has, has enacted his, his eons long scheme. Not carry how many hurts just because he has to stop Fairy Godmother that bad. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's the now, perfect JRPG yeah. twist. <laughs> now, now, Kyrie says she wants to go with Riku, and he immediately starts waffling, but she says, why not? Because I need to get stronger. <sighs> God damn it, Nomura. I played as her. She fought Master Xehanort and won. Well, it armored Xehanort. It was kind of a replica Xehanort. I don't know what it was. <laughs> it was it was 12 Xehanorts squished together into one Xehanort. Yes. Which technically is stronger. Yo, dog, I put 12 Xehanorts in your Xehanort, so you can Xehanort while you Xehanort. Slaps the back of armor Xehanort, you can fit so many Xehanorts in this thing. Yep. <laughs> wow. Okay, so now we memed it up. So, also... Uh, one more question. One more question. Is Fairy Godmother in cahoots with Mickey? Because without Riku to check on him, who will stop Mickey's crimes? Well, so, well in fact, Harry goes back to tell Mickey, but that means Mickey will know... I'm free... <laughs> that was delightful. Yeah. Did you know? <laughs> Holy shit. Was that a pretty was that a pretty good Mickey gone bad laugh, by the way? It was okay. Yes. I was I liked it. <laughs> the, I love the three stage laugh, you know? Yes. Let's go let's go on to the scene where Mickey actually learns about this. And this is the scene which basically wraps up Kingdom Hearts for us. Rika went alone, but that's way too dangerous. I have to go after him now. Mickey starts for the door, but he's tackled by Donald and Goofy, and they won't let him go. Do not be hasty, Mickey. But Master Yen said he's all alone in a world we know nothing about. Oh, precisely. We have never faced something like this before, which is why we must remain calm. But Goofy and Donald put their hands on his shoulders uh, with a somber look. Oh, Kyrie. This information you bring us, it comes from Xehanort during his time as a researcher? Yes. 
And that means he must have been aware of this other world for quite some time. But we defeated Xehanort! Is there anyone else we can ask? When I was still serving as a Keyblade Master, it was known that the Ancient Masters had crossed over into another world. I surmise that Xehanort looked more deeply into that world. The Ancient Keyblade Masters! For now, we must reach out to those in Radiant Garden, the Land of Departure, and Twilight Town who are searching for Sora to inform them what we have learned and have them halt their respective efforts. Donald, Goofy, I leave this to you. Yes, sir! And Kyrie, will you continue your training as you were before? Actually, I'd like to study under Master Aqua. That is an excellent idea. I approve. Thank you. And you, Mickey. Yes? I task you with the investigation of this new world and how it is related to the ancient Keyblade Masters. But how? You'll begin in the world of Scala Ad Kyle. All right. How can they get there? That was through a Xehanort portal and in front of Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> it's possible that Scala Ad Kalem was the Scala Ad Kalem of the past. Maybe they might be going to uh, a future, a current version of Scala Ad Kalem. Well, that'd be interesting. Well, it might be broken. But yeah, a few things like it's like Harry's like, I don't want to train a Merle anymore. Yes, that is wise. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I'm kind of interested in seeing, so apparently those ancient Keyblade Masters, the Foretellers, actually went into the same world as Yozora maybe came from? Who knows? It's a little unclear. There's, there's just things about world lines and whatever happened to the Dandelions. So like, that's talking to another world. I really don't know. And I, I well, so and we just aren't, aren't watching the new, that stuff yet. We haven't touched the mobile games yet. We probably will, though, when Kingdom Hearts 4 comes out. And on that note, I, I would like to finish off our discussion of Kingdom Hearts by talking about the Kingdom Hearts 4 trailer. Yes. Because there are some interesting things in it. I, I almost it's, it's it's a simple trailer. It has a lot of shots of this nice high death stuff we made. And here's Sora with much less spiky hair. Yeah, um, Sora looks a lot more realistic, if that's the right word. Uh, His hair is still tousled and very anime, but it's all the hair spikes are gone. It's like, oh, God, they spiked him. <laughs> yeah, like he looks like a human kid rather than a Disney human kid. I was actually going to say that. It's kind of interesting because in the trailer, it looks to me like Sora actually reads as Asian, whereas yeah. it did not to me before. Yeah, it's interesting. Thought. And he's joined by a character who I guess is entirely from the mobile games. Yes, uh, I could. I feel like I can just say her name, even though we haven't met her in the series. Uh, Shirletzia. There's no point in hiding any names. We just don't know much about them. Yeah. I, my understanding is she's she's Marluxia's human's uh, sister and she's dead for most of the games. Yeah. Um, and it's also worth noting that uh, Streletzia is the nameless star. Are we certain? I'm pretty sure that's what everyone has said. Everyone has said by Sylvia. It's a, it, I, it might be speculation. But why would she exist in Quadratum and in the final world? Good question. Yeah, I, I, I'm willing to accept they'll go that way, but I, want, I would like that question answered. Uh, well, yeah, but Sora, like I said, they, they talk about how Quadratum is... Like, it's a world full of people and the daily life. But for us, it's more like the other world. Yeah. Uh, they use afterworld, but they also use right. that phrase, uh, Shino Sekai, which can mean both world of death or fourth world, as Jared has pointed out at one point. I, I, I feel like they're definitely ready to pun that if they want. <laughs> uh, I don't think that pun would work in English is the problem, which is why they've gone for afterworld. Mm hmm. 
I'm kind of interested in seeing how it goes because I was actually kind of wondering if, you know, the the quadratum seems like it's closer to our world as in, you know, real life meat space than it does a fictional world. And I'm wondering if if we're talking about maybe crossing over They're actually saying it's unreality, but perhaps it's going the other way and they're the fictional world and they're coming into the real world. I I have my own weird little theory about what they mean by unreality slash fictional worlds here in that uh, I think it'd be interesting if like these worlds are the world equivalent of nobodies, if that makes sense. Like they're the residue that is left over when a world dies. Mm. It's an interesting idea. I don't know how much I'd say it support it. I said, um, but they said the trailer is very cool. Like a, a giant, yeah. unique um, dark side appears. They finally had changed design. Sora calls his keyblade, does some pretty cool flow motion, grappling hooks, sliding through tumbling buildings. Does a giga drill breaker on it. I'm just kind of curious about how they're going to go ab- about it, but it feels like they're setting up Kingdom Hearts 4 to go in a full metafictional direction, which I approve of. Well, I don't know about and that completely because we still have Donald and Goofy at the end going yeah. to talk to Hades. <laughs> we, everyone assumes Hades. And remember, this is the Lost Master saga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Seekers of Darkness are done. Now the Lost Masters. So what worlds do we think are going to be in there real quick? Like, I would love an inside out world. Like you actually travel inside a heart and it's oh, that'd be fascinating. If they're able to do so, to inside out what they did with Toy Story, I think that'd be amazing. I would be shocked if there if there was not a Zootopia world. Encanto strikes me as possible because the house has such a excellent setting for yeah. like uh, TARDIS space warping special rooms. Mm hmm. I'm one of the people that believes that the jungle that we see at the start of the Kingdom Hearts 4 trailer is specifically Endor. And so I'm expecting a Star Wars world that goes there. I'd be very (laughs) happy about Endor rather than Hoth because fuck Hoth. I'm so sick of going to Hoth. We'll just find Elsa wandering around there. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know how much how much brave how brave I am about guessing worlds from the from the other IPs like that, like uh, Star Wars and Marvel and all that. I feel Marvel like it would be could, weird, but they, keep, but they keep being cautious about it. I feel like Marvel would be very weird to do <laughs> because of like Marvel isn't just like a world concept. It is a whole setting on its own. The, the thing is that whatever they did, they'd want to tie it in with the current state of the MCU and all kinds of bullshit like that. And it would Which be currently very is a bit currently is a bit weird. Marvel's in a weird state right now, and I don't know how well it would interact with Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. And yeah. we'll see. Instead, instead, we're just going to have several uh, live action Disney adaptation worlds. Oh, no. Reskins <laughs> of Mulan, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, Lion oh, no. King. They, see, that's what I mean by if, when a world dies and they're left behind in residue. That's what we're going to get. We're going to get the nobodies <laughs> of these worlds. They're all these freakish facsimiles of the old Disney cartoons. They are truly without hearts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that, I think, that's a note. That's a note that I think we go out Kingdom Hearts on. Holy shit. Oh my gosh, we did it. We I made can't it to believe the end. we got through it. But What number of episode is this? Do you know? Uh, not off the top of my head. Um, we'll have to look it up. Yeah. Uh, I say edit it in later, but whatever. <laughs> I'll edit it in later, yeah. Counting mini logs and the hype episode, this is the 71st episode of the Kingdom Hearts podcast series. With the final mini-log next week, it will be 72 episodes total. You're welcome, past me. Holy shit. 
We're not done yet, though. We still have that Final Fantasy XIV discussion that we were doing before. Sorry, people, if you are sick of hearing about Final Fantasy XIV, but we are not. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> like, but yeah, like this has been a journey. I mean, I feel as if this, guys, I am really happy to gotten this far with you. Oh, yeah, same. Too. I'm 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 really looking forward to doing this, doing more, because I feel like this is a real accomplishment. Not everybody could have stuck through this entire project. So, but yeah, I'm interested in all the fun new ways I can torture myself for the fan base. Yeah. And you know that even if I would be free from the Disney trivia curse, I'll never be free. I'll always be using Disney trivia and references and references other things, whatever trivia I can scrounge up. Oh, boy. You don't have to torture yourself on this, John. Yeah, there's no good reason to do so. Would you be happier had I a good reason? (laughs) (laughs) I know who I am. And I know what I am. <laughs> we'll go into that next time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Woo! Gosh. So until next time, I'm John. I'm Jared. And I'm Matt. And remember, a good story is best enjoyed with friends. Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlog dialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release. This might is probably just garbage, but I was laughing because there's a church in a city I used to live in that was called Community Faith Bible Church. And I was just laughing because you could put those four words together in any combination and they would still make some kind of sense. Hmm. Faith Bible <laughs> Church Community. <laughs> I mean, that's just a church. That is, I mean, yeah, yeah, I could. That makes sense. <laughs> Uh, if, if you think that that if that any of those words actually make sense, <laughs> Bible, faith, uh, church, community sounds the most awkward so far of the ones I put together. Yes. Anyway, sorry. Uh, no more, or else I'm going to get all mouthiest on podcasts, and I don't want to do that right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's for the trail series where we start talking about JRPGs. <laughs> so yeah, the game. <laughs> Okay, uh, but yeah, um, the we so they. God, I, you completely yeah. diverted me by making Sorry. me think about she, changing she on took, that motorcycle. She said we need Fuck you. <laughs>